السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back to the latest hour I'm your host Bilal Ali And today we have a brother that goes by the name of Faraz Ahmed uh, Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure uh, My name is Faraz Ahmed uh, I'm excited to be on this podcast with Bilal uh, You know I have to be honest I don't know much about this podcast so maybe part of the introduction Bilal you could you know tell me when did you guys start this what are some of the aims and goals behind it you know just so I'm better aware of it so yeah yeah okay so um, this is a fairly new podcast we only have two episodes and a trailer mm-hmm. up so far uh, this is the third episode so but our goal of the podcast is mainly to I guess entertain the the Muslim community and kind of give them a place to feel connected in a way, uh, but not only the Muslim community, like uh, anyone in general. But okay. yeah, cool. So yeah, that's basically the goal at okay. the moment. Awesome. And maybe you can tell me a bit about yourself too, since I don't think we've ever met in person. So yeah, yeah. So um, I am sixteen mm-hmm. years old. I. I'm in grade 11. I actually, I do gymnastics, competitive Good gymnastics. Good for you, mashallah. Um, yeah, alhamdulillah. Uh, and yeah, uh, do, Wait, you wanna, uh, do you want to introduce yourself, like say a little bit about yourself? Uh, you do competitive gymnastics? I know another Bilal who does yeah. competitive gymnastics. Are you the same Bilal or is... Like, yeah, are you... yeah, I think I'm the same oh, Bilal. You serious? Yeah. Oh, you're Brother Ahmed's son. Oh, we've met each other. I've known you since yeah, you were yeah. like 13, 12. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if it was you because <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. said Bilal. So I had no idea which Bilal it was. Oh, nice. MashaAllah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good. Excellent. <laughs> Small world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah, when you said uh, I, I've never met you, I was like, Oh, I guess maybe he doesn't remember, so it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, man. I still yeah. remember you very much. So. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure, yeah. My name is Faraz Ahmed. Um, I'm 35 years old. I have three children, Asiya, who is nine, Khadija, who is six, and Abdullah, who is two years old. And... Um, my other than that i was born in pakistan i left when i was eight years old then grew up in edmonton went to university here uh did chemical engineering graduated in 2007 and yeah it started working after that um 12 years later here or 13 years later here we are so just looking to uh apply to grad schools right now so just in the process of that so oh uh... That's good, mashallah. Uh, okay, so earlier when I I was talking to you and I asked you uh, what topics do you want to talk about and stuff, you you said that you have a wide range of interests. So what are some of your interests? Well, so, I mean, um, if we just... So, uh, number one, I read a lot, right? So I read a lot of fiction books. I read um, mm-hmm. a lot of Islamic books, um, and and on a wide variety of topics. Though lately I've centered it down to productivity, business, and just Islamic books. So these are the three ones that I've lately narrowed it down to. 
other than that, um, you know, I follow oh, sports okay. when sports are going on. I don't necessarily watch as much, but I'll check the scores to see how things are going. Um, beyond that, yeah. um, beyond that, um, I would, I, I, you know, I spend a lot of time in terms of just learning new things. So I'm a big fan of trying new things and just doing different things. So whatever it is, like if uh, if somebody's like, hey, you know, you want to learn how to play a piano, I'd be like, yeah, I'm totally down for that. So yeah, so I'm I'm a big believer in that. Um, Other than that, just busy with work and community involvement. Um, You know, if anybody want, if anybody needs help with something, I'm more than happy to help. So things like that, you know, busy in the mosque when the mosques are open. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, so you said that you read business books yeah. and stuff. Uh, are you are you involved in like any business stuff? Like, uh, do you run a business or or uh, do you work alongside somebody else, uh, like running a business? I I did run a business for a number of years. I don't have one right now. Um, I'm I'm in the process of mm-hmm. launching one, but I haven't launched it completely yet. So, but I ran a couple of businesses for a number okay. of years. I had a construction management business, so you know, building, building buildings. And uh, on top, and, and in addition to that, my wife and I also had a fitness studio. So you know, we had that for about five, six years. Yeah. Oh. And uh, but as of this wow. point, I'm just working. But inshallah, like I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so I'm always looking at different ideas. Um, always evaluating Definitely. and you know you just got to keep trying and some ideas work for a certain amount of time and you take advantage of that and then you move on to yeah, the next no, idea for sure. and that's just the nature of entrepreneurship yeah yeah of course yeah well it's good it's good yeah I've been I've actually been thinking about uh, like looking into doing some business stuff like not going into business in university mm-hmm. but uh, just like maybe starting uh, my own business or so I've I've been thinking about that lately and I've been thinking about stocks mm-hmm. too but yeah <laughs> and so to mention I do also do a lot of reading on stocks because um I invest so I do have um yeah. I've read quite a few books on investing stocks yeah okay so I actually I wanted to talk to you about uh mm-hmm. I know that last year yep. you went to Egypt so I wanted to talk to you about that Sure. Let's uh, let's do it. So, you want to tell us uh, about your trip to Egypt last year and what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, in a you know, obviously, when you spend a year there, there's so much to talk about. But in a general, overall sense, I I we I was there in January 2019 to end of 2019. So I spent a year there, and, um, and the primary purpose, you know, I went there not mm-hmm. just by myself, but with my family and three kids was primarily to, you know, study the Islamic sciences, which included Arabic, which included Quran, which included actual Islamic sciences, you know, fiqh and hadith. So it was a beautiful experience, you know. Um, I yeah. really thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time. And uh, I wish I could have stayed longer. Um, sure. But, you know, Allah willed it that we returned. And, you know, it was for the best because COVID hit two months after we came yeah. back. So... If we had been there, that would have been a difficult time, you know, with the family, with no healthcare coverage and no family to be to be stuck in a in a country. Yeah. So, but alhamdulillah, you know, overall we really really enjoyed it. So, did you uh 
did you speak Arabic before you enter or did you just go to learn? I had studied Arabic before, so I knew the the I knew basic grammar and knew basic sarf. Mm-hmm. Um, so going to Egypt just allowed me to focus on it full time, whereas I was studying it part time before. Yeah. And then really the goal wasn't Arabic in itself. You know, Arabic was just a means towards studying the Islamic sciences. Okay. And uh, so I'd studied Islamic sciences in English with, with teachers over here in Canada, but I wanted to do it in Arabic. So alhamdulillah, like after the first three months, you know, because I studied Arabic, my wife and I had studied Arabic before extensively. Um, it took us about a, three months or so to be able to uh, start attending other classes, Islamic sciences. Uh, though normally if somebody has no exposure to Arabic, it would take much, much longer. I think it would take probably at least a year. Uh, yeah. But, you know, alhamdulillah, we had, we had a strong foundation, so it allowed us to progress pretty fast. Inshallah. Uh, so after the three months, I started attending classes, and, um, uh, and it was really beneficial, alhamdulillah. So, um, so yeah, I, you know, that's one of the recommendations I have to people is don't wait. Like if somebody wants to learn Arabic, there's a lot of resources where we are in the West they can take advantage of. Yeah. You don't have to travel somewhere overseas and then start from scratch. Start here, build up a foundation, and then travel over there to, um, you know, sort of do the intermediate and advanced level uh, Arabic or, or Islamic sciences in general. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I had a similar, similar experience because uh, mm-hmm. last year I went to Egypt for six months too because I'm originally from there. But mm-hmm. mashallah. Yeah. I went there to uh, actually learn some more Arabic and and uh, Quran and a little bit of Islamic studies too. So mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely a really. How good was your experience. experience? A really good one. Okay, that's <laughs> good. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Uh, obviously, the the adjusting took some time. All of my family, like I said, I'm from mm-hmm. Egypt, so all of my family lives there, uh, which is obviously mm-hmm. nice because I got to. I got to spend time with them, get to know them better, uh, and all this. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the adjusting—it mm-hmm. was a—it was a big adjustment because I left uh, midway through school, like, right. yeah, and I had to do online school, distance learning, which is kind of what we're doing right now at the right. moment, everybody. But, but... True. so it prepared you for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, that's good, man. It's it's beautiful. Um, you know it. Uh, it's as you said, it requires some adjustment. But once you get adjusted, um, it's really nice. Now I don't ha- I don't know what it's like to have family over there. Yeah. So I know that's a completely different ball game. But uh, but as I said, the the study environment is is really good if somebody puts themselves in there. So. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You said you have kids. So how how did your kids adjust when you guys went to Egypt? So th- for the kids, it was a pretty big challenge because, you know, they left all their friends and toys behind and to move to a country where they don't speak the language. And, you know, it's, you know, you're not moving to a country which is that easy to settle in either. So, um, so I mean, that presented us challenges. And, you know, to the last day we left, they, they never really fully adjusted. Whereas, you know, I and my wife, pretty much adjusted. And part of it was because we chose to go there. The kids didn't choose to go there. <laughs> yeah. They were taken there with us. Uh, they didn't choose to learn another language. They were just, you know, they had to learn another language. So, uh, and having, you know, they already speak those, they already spoke two other languages. So I was like, well, why do I need a third language? So, um, 
so I mean, it was it was it was a challenge for them to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think they appreciate it now more than they appreciated it while they were in Egypt. So so that's that's something interesting, I guess. Yeah, I was gonna say that uh, they'll probably appreciate it in the future, but it's good that they they're starting to see the the benefits or are just starting to appreciate it now. So that that's good. Alhamdulillah. Yes, correct. I mean, when they were in Egypt, they would count down the days till we were leaving Egypt. And now that they're back, they're like, you know, we wouldn't mind going back to Egypt for a visit to see our teachers, yeah. to see some of the places we went to, you know. for So now they're like, hey, yeah, we, we don't mind going back for a visit. But when they were in Egypt, they couldn't wait to leave. So That, that makes me laugh because I have sisters, and when we were in Egypt, we didn't want to be in Egypt at all. Like... Yeah, because right. we didn't want to go there for six months. Like, we've been there for a summer vacation to see our family for, like, a month or two, you know. But six months, I was, right. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, when our parents were, yeah. and it was so sudden, too, because our parents were, like, a month before or a month and a half, I, I can't recall, but they suddenly just told us, yeah, we're going to go to Egypt for six months and learn Arabic and Quran, and we're like, oh, my God. But, yeah, no, <laughs> it, it was good, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Yeah. How would you say the societal differences are from, from you know, Egypt and Canada? Hmm. So, I mean, keep in mind, I had spent eight years of my life in Pakistan. So, I, you know, it's not like I wasn't exposed to that part of the world at all and the chaos and, yeah. and everything that exists of big cities like Cairo. Um, you know, Cairo is a big city, but really I'd spent about, you know, eight years in Karachi, which is the same size as Cairo and except more chaotic and more densely populated. Yeah. So, and we had gone back for vacation. So, I mean, I had exposure to big crowded cities. Um, so when I got to Cairo, the, you know, yeah, there was a bit of a culture shock, but, you know, the first day or so, but after that, I was like, okay, you know, I'm sort of, I've seen this before. It wasn't, it wasn't unexpected for me. Yeah. Obviously, for the kids, it was a much, much bigger culture shock and everything. But um, from a personal perspective, I was prepared for a lot. You know, I expected the things. I mean, there were some things that still caught me off guard. Like and, you what? know, we can talk about that, I guess. <laughs> you know, people had told me before, they said, uh, you know, when you go there, you'll find really, really good people and you'll find really, really bad people, like really f- extremes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't really hit it until you get there. And you're like, wow, there really are extremes over here. And there are some people who go so far out of their way to help you that you're like, I can't imagine anyone doing this. Oh, yeah. And then there's some people who go so far out of your way to hurt you and to take advantage of you, they're like, I can't believe somebody would do this, a fellow Muslim would do this, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, people like that existed, so. Yeah. <laughs> and I have so many stories for both sides. <laughs> um, but, are you, re- you know, I remember one of the first things that my teacher told yeah. me when I got to Egypt, he said, for us, uh, from the days, from the ancient days, Egypt is a place of extreme. We had Fir'aun, the worst of creation, and then we had Musa, you yeah. know, the prof- one of the pro- great prophets of Islam. And he said, you'll find the same thing now is you'll find really, really bad people in Egypt who will really, like, take advantage of you. Mm. And you'll also find really, really good people. Wow. And that very much so was true, I would say. Um, very much so, yeah. I've actually never thought about it from, from that perspective. Like, the, uh, the two 
extremes, but now that I think about it, it's actually so true. It's like there definitely is a huge uh a huge gap between uh the the good people and the bad people. So yeah. 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 Yes. So yeah, that was a big shock because, you know, it came to a point where you couldn't really like I had to train myself not to trust anyone until um, you know, I'd gotten to know them better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd always be really wary if somebody said something, I'd be like, I don't trust this until like that. You know, like in Canada, one of the things was you generally just trust people. If somebody says something, you're like, okay, I trust you unless you give me a reason not to trust you. Right. In Egypt, it was a bit of the opposite. I wasn't talking about my teachers. I'm talking about like your general people on the street. Right. Uh Uh, If somebody said something, you're like, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. Unless like there's a reason you do something that, you know. Yeah, there's a reason for me to trust yeah. you, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's something that took me a while to get used to. So. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But, okay, so, like, I'm from Egypt, so obviously my experience will probably be different than yours. So I was wondering how, how did people react to you, uh, to you, like, uh, how did Egyptians react to you? Like, were the people accepting, or, uh, like, were they judgmental? How was it? So it it was really interesting because um, if so, I mean, you can literally split up Egypt into the touristy part and then the non-touristy part, yeah. right? So if I was in the touristy part, um, you know, the by the pyramids, by some of the famous landmarks, yeah. then I was just one of the many tourists and, you know, all the shopkeepers want to take advantage of you and they want to sell you things that are 10 times the normal price sure. right and that's not just a cairo specific thing that's just with any part of the world that you go in which is very touristy yeah. there's people there trying to like sell you stuff left and right and everything is overpriced right yeah. so so there's that part of cairo which i don't have a, I, I don't have a lot of experience with because i didn't really live in the touristy parts neither did i go to the touristy parts a lot um now when you come to the non-touristy parts which is all the residential areas yeah. There, the uh, experience was very interesting because overall, everybody was really nice when they found out that you were a foreigner. And, you know, we tended to, like, if you were in the touristy part, there were tons of foreigners around. Yeah. But if you were in the residential areas, um, you know, for example, I know you guys were in uh, Sitta October, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Where were you? Yeah, you guys were in Sitta October. We were in Tagamor Khamis, oh, which yeah. is like the two opposite ends of the city, yeah, right? Yeah. But then I would also travel to uh, Madirat al-Nasr a lot. Hayy al-Ashir, Hayy al-Sadis, Hayy al-Sabir. A lot of my classes would take place in these uh, in these areas. So I would go to a lot of these. And I would actually go to uh, um, the Azhar area, to uh, Masjid, uh, Masjid Hussein area, because a lot of my classes took place over there too. There were a lot of uh, scholars who would sit and teach. So, so these were the main areas that I, I spent a lot of time in. Yeah. Um. And in and and in, in these areas, there are in there are students. There's a lot of foreign students, but uh, it's not like the touristy areas. Uh, you have foreign students, but they're not at still. You know, it's not like they're the majority or anything. Yeah. So when people would meet me, they would just assume when they would find out I'm a foreigner, they would just assume that I'm a student, even if even if I didn't say anything. And obviously, when you're speaking Fusha, yeah. uh, no one speaks Fusha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when I spoke Fusha. Right away, they'd be like, oh, are you an Azhari? Are you studying at Azhar? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not studying at Azhar. But, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm a student and, and I'm studying over here. Yeah. And generally, everybody was really, like, welcoming and everybody was really, really nice. 
the one interesting um, and the one interesting experience that I pretty much had with like maybe ninety five percent of Egyptians yeah. is you know and this is like on the street so you you know you're just on the street by yourself or you're going somewhere mm-hmm. and uh, you know nobody says anything to you but then you know let's say you have to speak and you have to ask something so they can tell you're a foreigner when you speak in Fosa Arabic yeah. so they'd be like Minfin you know which means where you're mm-hmm. from. And then, you know, initially I'd be like, oh, I'm in Canada. And they'd be like, la, 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 la. Uh, I'm in Canada, right? You're not from yeah. Canada. And you're like, why not, right? Limeda. And then they're like, no, no, look at you. You don't look like you're from Canada. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what does a Canadian look like? And they're like, oh, he has white skin. And then he has like blue eyes and he has blonde <laughs> hair. And you, you don't have any of that, right? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, so that's, that's interesting. So what I started doing after a while was, um, you know, they, you know, because I get, I got asked this all the time when I would go out. Um, where are you from? And then I'd be like, oh, from Canada. And then they'd be like, no, no, but you don't look like you're from Canada. And then I'd be like, wait, where are you from? And they'd be like, I'm from Egypt. And I'd be like, wait, but you don't look like you're from Egypt. <laughs> and then they'd be like, what? No, no, that's not true. I'm Egyptian. I'm hundred percent Egyptian. And they'd be like, no, I don't think you're Egyptian because you don't look like an Egyptian. And they'd get like really upset. And then I then be like, well, why don't I look like an Egyptian? I'm like, well, you know, I've met so like for example, if they were fair skinned I'd be like, oh, I met so many Egyptians. They're like darker in color, and you're fair skinned <laughs> And then he'd be like, no, 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 no. Egyptians come in all all colors. You know, we're fair skinned and then we're also dark. And then we're like, well, exactly. Canadians also come in all skin colors. Some of us are dark. Some of us are fair. Some of us are in the middle. Yeah. And then when they would hear that, they'd be like, okay, yeah, you know. Then they sort of like go quiet <laughs> but uh but you know it's once i got to know people yeah. then i'd be like you know then i'd act from like you know i'd be like jinsiyati kanadi like in aslan in pakistan right you know i'd be like my nationality yeah. is canadian but you know my ethnicity i'm from pakistan but if i didn't know the person yeah. um then i would generally just you know i'd be like i'm from canada and if they objected to that i'd be like well you're not from egypt either then <laughs> and when i said that they would get angry and then they would go quiet so yeah no no <laughs> Okay, so honestly, I had the exact opposite experience where while I was in mm-hmm. Egypt, like all my cousins and my family members would say, don't like never tell anybody when they ask if like they ask uh, where you're from, never say you're from mm-hmm. like Canada or a place like that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, because then like people might try to take advantage of you and stuff. So I'm kind of surprised that you, you would actually tell them that you're from Canada and they... And they would kind of accept that, you know, or not accept it, but they would be, they wouldn't like try taking advantage of you or any of that. So that's kind of. Well, keep in mind, I didn't, I didn't do this at the shops. Like when I went shopping, I didn't tell oh, them, yeah. right? Uh, but for example, if I, you know, I, we took a lot of Uber and Kareem. Yeah. You know, the Uber and Kareem driver, he can't really take advantage of me. Like, what is he going to do, right? Um, and they would always try and make conversation with you. So, you know, with people like that, um, or for example, you know, there's a, you know, um, we lived in a villa, which was like three stories. So there was like other mm-hmm. families in there too. So you, for example, you know, you meet other families, your neighbors and stuff, and they're like, oh, where are you from? And then you're like, oh, I'm from here and so-and-so, right? Um, so yeah, I wouldn't tell it to someone like in, in the shops or in the markets. Yeah. yeah, I would never do that because then you're right, they would take advantage of you. So when it came to that, I'd be like, oh, I'm in Pakistan. Like, I'm from Pakistan. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, he's from a poor country. We can't, we can't take advantage of him. Right? <laughs> uh, but, but outside of that, like, in, 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 when I'm meeting people that, 
you know, I don't have a business dealing with them. I don't, I don't have to buy anything from them. Then I'd be like, yeah, I'm from Canada. Um, and then, yeah, they would just have a hard time believing that <laughs> a lot, actually. <laughs> so, wow. Like, there's a funny story. I went into Vodafone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if anybody's been to Vodafone in Egypt, there's, like, massive lineups. And, you know, people are overworked. So, so I'm standing there. I'm there's waiting. There's you know, literally everywhere in Egypt. Exactly. Yeah, there's everyone. Exactly. That's true, actually. Uh, so, you know, um, I, you know, my turn comes and this girl is sitting over there. Actually, she's a woman, right? Not a girl. She's probably like in her late 20s or so. Um, she's just sitting there and she's sort of like really tired and she looks really bored, right? So I go up to her and this is, you know, so I was like, I don't feel like speaking in, in Arabic, whatever, right? So I'm like, oh, do you speak English? You know, I was like, and she's like, Oh, sorry, and she, you know, do you speak yeah. the English language? And she's like, yes. Like, she gives me an answer in a very, like, bored tone. She's like, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. You know, as if to be like, I'm really bored. You know, don't bother yeah. me. So I said, oh, okay, I, I need a new SIM. So she's like, okay, show me your passport. Like, I need your passport. And she goes to get a SIM. So she goes into the back. Yeah. So, I, you know, I take out my passport and I'll leave it on there, uh, on her desk. And she comes out. And then as she goes to the desk, she sees my passport. She's like, you're from Canada? I said, yeah. She's like, you, you're from Canada, <laughs> right? Like she's having a hard time believing. And I'm like, yes, I'm from Canada. And she's like, you are from Canada. I was like, yes, I'm from Canada. And then, I mean, she's having a hard time yeah, believing yeah. this. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, you know, I was like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, here's the passport. Like, you know, I'm from Canada. So, so this, uh, <laughs> so stuff like these, these reactions were quite common. <laughs> Would you take offense to those comments or no? Well, no, like, depended. Like, some people would refuse to be like, you're from Canada. Yeah. And then I would be like, yeah, now I'm going to take offense because, and that's where I, what I would do is I'd be like, you're not from Egypt then. Yeah. And then when I would say that and they would get offended, I'm like, ah, so now you're getting offended. Why are you getting offended? Because I doubted your nationality. Yeah. And then when you, when you turn the tables on them, they're like, oh, okay, now I see how you feel, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, most of the time, no, because, you know, I understand, like, um, a lot of the Egyptians have never left Egypt. Actually, the vast majority of Egyptians have never yeah. left Egypt, right? And they might have never even met a Westerner, never spoken with them, never really met uh, maybe or someone, anyone who's non-Egyptian. Yeah. So I can understand, like, sometimes it's difficult for them to know how to communicate, know how to talk. Um, you know, there's cultural differences. Like, for example, in Canada when you meet somebody, you'd never be like, oh, where are you from? Or, you know, like, even if people do do that, it's considered pretty rude, yeah. right? Like, you'd be like, what's wrong with this person? Why, why is he or she talking like that? Mm -hmm. And it's only after you really get to, like, know someone, they'd be like, hey, you know, what's your ethnic background? Or, you know, what's your family background? Uh, but in Egypt, it'd be like the second question. Sometimes they won't even say salam. <laughs> Sometimes they'd directly be like, hey, where are you from? And I'd be like, I don't even know who you are. You know, you're just some random person on the street. Why are you asking me? Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, no, I right? think like I think the thing about like Egypt is that yeah, like you said, most of them haven't like been out of Egypt and stuff. But even other than that, like all these like the people that they see as Americans and Canadians and Europeans and all that, they they always see them from like movies, right? And that's like their interpretation. They mm -hmm. assume like all Canadians all you know, Westerners, whatever, they're all just white people and stuff. But in reality, it's like yes, a lot more correct. diverse than that. Yes, correct. Yeah. And, 
you know, to be honest, the vast majority of people were very respectful. They wouldn't, uh, like, in regardless of what I told them, even if I told them I was from Canada or I told them from Pakistan, like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm from Pakistan. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. they wanted the headache of, like, explaining things. I'll be like, oh, I'm from Pakistan, yeah. right? Uh, people were very respectful, especially when they found out that you were a student of knowledge over there. Yeah. Um, I think there's still, you know, something within the Egyptian people that when they see somebody has come to gain knowledge, Islamic knowledge, that they respect that and and they admire that. So, you know, that was something that I really liked about, you know, the Egyptian people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like every, uh, in any place, there's always, you know, like a, a wide majority or, a, sorry, a vast uh I don't know what the word I'm looking for is like a wide range of uh, how people mm-hmm. are and stuff, but a lot of the time, like most places, I would say the people there, they're like good people usually, and then there's like a few or a couple of of bad, you know, people in the mix, which all like make make the country or make the society look bad. So. Yeah. Yes, correct. And I would say even the people that I'm, you know, referring to right now, none of them were bad. I think they were all just really curious people. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the curiosity was so high in them that they didn't realize, like, you don't just ask strangers their personal details, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so, so I, you know, for example, I remember we were at a resort in Ain uh, Sokhna. You know, Ain yeah, yeah, Sokhna is like yeah. an hour south of, of Cairo, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're like a resort over there. And, you know, it was like a resort with a beach and whatnot. So I remember one day I was walking to the beach with the family. And then there's this brother standing. And he was standing with his family, Egyptian. And he's, you know, standing with his family. And I'm just passing by him to get to the beach. And he's like, India, India, you from India? And I was like, no, I'm not. And I don't know who you are. So I'm just going to keep walking. Okay. <laughs> so I just kept walking. I was like, I, I said no, and I kept walking. Right. Yeah. Um, so what happened was later in the same day, they were uh, closing. So, at, you know, they had a specific time. So they had a pier, you know, uh, you know, like a dock, right? Like a pier yeah. that extended into the, into the sea. So, you know, we were at the end of the pier. And I think as per rules at Maghrib time, they would close down that dock or that pier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you'd have to leave. So I remember I was over there. And then this brother also, he was standing over there too with his family. And then, you know, the hotel management came and they said, you know, uh, you know, we're closing this down. Everyone has to leave, yeah. right? So I looked at him and I said, you know, right? So I said to him in Fosa Arabic, I said, oh, we just need two minutes. So that's all I said. Yeah. This brother, he heard me speak Fosa Arabic, and he's like the same brother who had, you know, was like, "Where you're from, India? Where, where are you from?" Mm-hmm. He came over to me. He's like, "Where did you study Arabic?" <laughs> and I said, "Oh, you know, I've studied Arabic in like Canada foundationally. Then I still learned some Arabic over here in Egypt." So then he he was like really impressed. He's like, um, then he started speaking to me in Fosa. So we spoke in Fosa for a while. He was just really happy, and he was, like, very practicing religious and very practicing family. Um, You know, then he actually took down my phone number. When we went back to Cairo, he took me out for dinner. Um, You know, he was, like, he said if you needed anything. And he was just, like, you know, so once again, like, he wasn't a bad person. He was actually a really, really good person. It's just that, you know, there's cultural differences in how you approach somebody. Like, in Canada, we're not used to just going up to strangers and asking them personal details. Yeah. But in Egypt, you know, culturally, you know, it's not that out of the ordinary to just ask questions like that. Um, 
so I began to realize towards the end that, you know, it's not when somebody does do things like that, not to get offended, just to, you know, politely be like, no, I'm not from here and just sort of keep going. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, or, you know, if I feel like it, just answer me like, this is where I'm from. And, you know, don't worry about like what they say after that. Yeah. Um, so as I said, like, alhamdulillah, it's not that they were bad people. It's just that they were curious and sometimes the curiosity got the best of them in trying to like get the information. Yeah. But once you got to know them, um, most people were really good and hospitable and welcoming. Yeah, no, I would say that Egyptians are, are definitely really hospitable people. And, and it's like you said, it's like the, the way that like different in every single place, like you kind of, you're brought up in a different way, I guess, or there's different things that are allowed like like you said in Canada obviously you're not going to ask somebody those personal questions like they'd probably think that oh like you're you're going to like take advantage of them or you're you have some like an agenda or something like you well, why are you asking me all these yes, questions correct. and all this right but like it's it's not that deep in reality like in Egypt they don't think about that so yeah right correct Yes, not true. And and that's okay because, you know, one of the beautiful things about also Egypt is that, um, like in Canada, you wouldn't, you're right, you, we wouldn't ask these questions, but also, um, as a result, people generally, I don't find, are as hospitable to each other either. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Egypt, you know, they might ask you these personal questions, but then they're also extremely hospitable and they'll go out of their way to really help you. And I have so many stories of, like, you know, people going out of their way to help me. Yeah. Uh, that I would never, ever expect in Canada. So I think it's a cultural thing where, you know, yeah, you know, I, I didn't like those questions being asked right off the bat. Yeah. But I also knew that, you know, these people would go out of their way to help me if if the chance came. Whereas in Canada, I'm not so sure. Like, people would still help me. Yeah. But I don't think at the same level that people in Egypt help me. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so I'm actually, I'm really, like, interested in this and stuff, because obviously it's, like, my people and stuff, so, uh, right, <laughs> the, like, you said you have a bunch of stories, good and bad and stuff, so, uh, you want to, like, say any stories that stand out, really, or? Yeah, so, I mean, for example, um, you know, when I landed, before I was about to land in Egypt, yeah. and I didn't know anyone directly in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, sorry, I, I knew a few people, but but they were far away. They weren't in Cairo. It was They were far away, so it wasn't. Or they weren't in Egypt at the time. Yeah. So I really didn't know anyone. I was just going to land at the airport, just catch a cab, and, and you know, go to, um, go to the Airbnb place that I had mm-hmm. rented. So I remember, like, a couple of days before, um, an Egyptian brother who I know in, uh, in Canada, he... He said, hey, is someone coming to pick you up? I said, no, not really. He said, don't worry, I'm going to message, I'm going to connect you with someone, and he might be able to help you. So I said, okay, sure. So two days before I'm supposed to land, he connects me with someone, and this brother, uh, he actually had lived in Canada. He did his PhD over here, and then he went back to Egypt. So, So this brother goes, oh, okay, I'll come pick you up. So I was like, okay, sure, if you want to, right? And then, you know, he came to pick me up on, on like a really short notice. So when he picked me up, I was just talking to him like, hey, so, you know, how far do you live? He's like, oh, he's like, I, I live actually like an hour, hour and a half away wow. from the airport. I was like, whoa, wh- like, why would you like, you know, he's like, I, I, was like, I told him, I was like, you didn't have to do this. I, I could have just taken a shuttle. I could have taken uh, a taxi or Uber or something. Yeah. 
So he goes, no, you're coming to Egypt for the first time. You're coming here to study Islam. I wanted to make sure that somebody comes and receives you at the airport because that's part of the hospitality. And that really, really moved me because I said, because, you know, I thought to myself, if somebody was landing in Red Deer and somebody I'd never met, right? I don't even know this person. Would I drive all the way to Red Deer to meet them? And I was like, I don't know, you know, like probably not. Uh, Because, you know, that's part of the Canadian culture is like, hey, I don't really know you. Why am I going to go to Red Deer? to like meet you like it would be very rare yeah, yeah. but then this person drove an hour hour and a half just to pick me up from the airport and then he not only that he took me to the airbnb place and after that he spent the entire day with me wow. showed me around um and then two days later he came back again drove for an hour and a half because he lived in um he lived in in he actually lived in Sita october uh, also where you were oh, yeah. uh but then you know with with traffic and stuff, it takes like forever to get across town, right? Definitely. Um, so, he, yeah, so he came back an hour and a half, yeah, sorry, uh, two days later, drove again for an hour and a half to help me find a, an apartment and whatnot. So, I mean, this is just, it's a, like right off the bat, in the first few days, I met somebody who went really out of his way, and I was just like, wow, this is, you know, this is amazing. Like, I, I can't imagine anybody doing, you know, most people wouldn't do this for someone. Yeah. It's like um, somebody... So, you know, so that was like, you know, that was one really, yeah. And like a complete stranger too. So you would never expect that. No, no, complete stranger. Exactly. And then I remember like, you know, we looked at a whole bunch of apartments and, you know, we didn't like anything. Um, and then there was a friend of a friend. So uh, a friend, an Egyptian friend of mine from Canada put me in touch with another friend of his, mm-hmm. like a childhood friend of his um in in cairo so this person helped me eventually helped me find an apartment and i remember um this person was also a uh, real estate agent yeah. so he did like you know he had his own businesses one of his business was real estate agent so he would actually like you know find apartments for people and you know uh, anyone who's lived in egypt that when and somebody finds you an apartment you usually pay them one month's rent as like a commission that this person helped you find the apartment this is like pretty standard mm-hmm. Uh, everyone does this and i remember this brother when he found me the apartment and i tried to pay him he wouldn't take the money and it wasn't like a small amount of money it was about a thousand dollars right and a thousand dollars in egypt is a lot of money like the vast majority of egyptians do not make a thousand dollars in one month Mm -hmm. very few egyptians would make that much so i'm trying to pay him this and he's like no i don't want it i was like well why don't you want it you know this is your business i want to pay you he's like no i just want your du'as you're here to study islam you know, you're a talib al-ilm. Uh, I just want your du'as and that's all I want. And, you know, subhanAllah, like he, to the, <laughs> you know, I kept trying for a long time, but he wouldn't take my money. Wow. Um, so, I mean, stories like that, you remember for the rest of your life. And, and, and this, as I said, this, I can keep on going with all these good stories that people did. These are just two that really, like, stuck out into my mind. Where one, on one hand, somebody sacrificed, like, a lot of their time for somebody they didn't even know yeah. and then on the other hand somebody sacrificed a large amount of money mm-hmm. for a person they just recently met like they just i just met him like a few days ago so mashallah yeah those stories are definitely yeah they're, they're actually really touching mashallah yeah i mean i I remember them for the rest of my life uh and these people i still make dua for them mashallah. to this day everyone who helped me went out there i still i still remember them uh, sometimes I've forgotten their names, but I remember their faces <laughs> yeah. are still etched in my memory and I make dua for them, right? May Allah make it easy for them because I know it's a tough life in Egypt. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and it could be a bit of a dog eat dog world, right? Because, you know, it's, it's a tough life. So for people to go out of their way to help somebody else, it's, it's you know, they're truly really, really good people. So. Yeah, yeah, mashallah. Yeah. Okay, so kind of, I guess, switching it a little and like talking about something else. Because right now, like, since we're fasting and it's Ramadan and stuff, and I'm, I'm kind of hungry. So <laughs> how is uh, Egyptian food? So I've been exposed to Egyptian food before going, so it wasn't like a surprise to me. But the one food that became my staple food, because, you know, I'd be out and about a lot, right? Because yeah. every day I'd be going to Manit and Nasr, and then every few days I'd be going to the Azhar area. So I'd be taking a lot of buses and everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the one food that's available everywhere, and it's cheap enough, you know, when you're a student, you don't really have a lot of money, yeah. right? So you got to look for cheap food. You know, was koshery. I can tell oh you the prices God. for koshery in different parts of, of Cairo. So I can tell you that if you ate koshery in Tagummo, yeah. for, a, for a small one, you'd pay 12 guineas. Yeah. But if you had the same koshery in Manit um, al-Nas, Hayy al-Ashir, you would have the same, same size for 8 guineas. <laughs> but if you had the same koshery in Azhar, which is a very touristy area, yeah. the same size would be for 14 guineas. So, and I know this because I would eat koshery at different places because it was the cheapest thing I could find. <laughs> and, but, you know, after a while also, I developed a taste for it. So, after a while, I'd be like, hey, I miss koshery. I just want to have some koshery. So, oh, my God. Okay. So, literally, the second, like, while you were talking about the food that you were going to say, like, before you said the name, I was like, if he says koshery, yeah. like, there's no way. Because the whole time, right, like, since we started talking about Egypt in the beginning, too, I was really, like, I'm hungry, so I started thinking about kushari. I love kushari so much. So I'm like, right, yeah, yeah, and then you're like, kushari, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> and, you know, interestingly enough, I'd ha- I had kushari in, 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 in Canada. Oh, wow. Like, just from, not from a shop, but from people's houses. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was okay. Uh, you know, I was like, okay, this is decent. Mm-hmm. But there's something different about the koshri in Cairo. Like, it's a completely different. You're like, when you eat that, you're like, wow, this is really, really good. And I'm paying a good price for it, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like the perfect food, you know? You're in a hurry. You stop by. You have some koshri quickly. And there's literally, no matter where you go in Cairo, every five steps, there's a koshri place. And, like, they give you such big sizes, too. It's really nice. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes, like, it'd be hard to finish. <laughs> but, you know, one of, one of the things that I used to do is... Um, you know, because uh, my family left a bit early, so I was living by myself. Yeah. I would go, uh, take my books, go into a koshri place, just order a, you know, a big plate of koshri, just sit there for like a uh, couple of hours, eat and study, and then and then go after that. So yeah, I definitely miss the koshri for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, full and tamil. Yes, I had full and uh, and ta'miya too. Except ta'miya should be falafel. I don't know why they call it ta'miya in Cairo. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I had full and uh, and ta'miya too. Yeah. Not as much as koshri, but you know, once in a while I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were there for Ramadan, and there was like mm-hmm. uh, a full and ta'miya restaurant, like not too far away. So I would go mm-hmm. with. I don't know if you know uh, the tuk tuk. Yes, of course I know the tuk tuk. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So I would go with the tuk-tuk and stuff and like right before suhoor and I'd, I'd grab like some uh, tamay, uh, eggs and all this and like we'd eat that for suhoor. So, you know, it's it's good memories. It's <laughs> it's nice. 
Yeah, alhamdulillah, yeah, man. Beautiful memories. I completely agree. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> alhamdulillah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that really also surprised me was um, 24-hour bakeries. Like Egypt just had 24-hour bakeries. And I'm thinking to myself, who needs bread at 2 a.m. in the morning? <laughs> but I guess there's enough people that need bread at 2 a.m. in the morning because it's not just one. Most bakeries that I found would be open 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that was really nice. See, that's the thing about, like, Egypt, literally, like, people, like, they don't, it's almost like the city doesn't sleep, you know? Like, people are awake yes, for so long there, and it's kind of, so, like, all the stores are usually open, or they're open, like, pretty late, especially in Ramadan. In Ramadan, the stores stay, like, open till Fajr, and then after, like, they start, they start opening again at, like, Asr time. Right, correct, yes, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and, you know, I, I, I miss the 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 hustle bustle of Cairo, specifically the hustle bustle on Manit and Nasr and and around the Azhari area. Like I, I I really enjoyed that. Like don't get me wrong, it's 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 difficult mm-hmm. for an extended period of time because you know it's uh it's not good for your health yeah. and whatnot. But for the year that I was there, I truly truly enjoyed like every moment of that. So. Mashallah. Yeah, while we were there. Uh, like I said, like we didn't really want to be there, but when mm-hmm. we were, when we when we were probably like closing in on like the last month of being there, I was I, I started becoming mm-hmm. like really sad. I was like, because you know when you stay there for like that long, you kind of you I guess you right. get used to it, and especially with like the family, because I had my family there, so it's kind of hard yes. leaving a place where you were there for so long, you know, and. Yes, yeah, correct. so after, like, when we came back here, I was like, wow, like, I I really regret not wanting to be there while I was there, you know, but alhamdulillah. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> alhamdulillah. Inshallah, you'll have an opportunity to go back. You have family there. Yeah. And maybe after you finish high school, you could uh, you could spend some time over there, inshallah. you know, even studying and meeting some more families. So. Yeah, inshallah, inshallah. Are you planning on ever going back again or? Well, it's tough, you know, because um, I've taken a year off work, yeah. um, and that's challenging financially because, you know, now I have a family, yeah, right, right yeah. Um, and three kids. So if, if I'm not making money, then how are we paying our bills? So, uh, so I mean, financially, it's a big challenge, but, you know, the, the intention initially was that we'll build a solid enough foundation that you can continue studying over here. Mm-hmm. So now that the foundation has been built, I still study with my teachers online. Uh, obviously, it's not the same as being in Egypt in Egypt, mm-hmm. but you know we still continue studying online, and that hasn't changed. And you know I benefit a lot from it. Uh, so you know in a way, that wasn't meant to be the end all. Yeah. Because you know unless you're really well off financially, or you have somebody helping you out financially, it's difficult to stay there for an extended period of time for of like three, four, five, six years. Yeah. Right. So, um, so I, as much as I would love to go back and study, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's feasible with obviously with three kids now that I have and, um, you know, yeah, but, uh, I would love to go back for a visit and just meet all the people that, that, you know, that I had met and all the memories and the experiences. Yeah. Um, and you know, if Allah will such, who knows, maybe I can go back later on to do more full-time studying back in Egypt. Allah alam, right? Allah. But at this point, I, I don't foresee it happening. Yeah. Yeah. What made you choose Egypt of all places to go to, to learn uh, Islamic studies in Arabic? Hmm. Well, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of my 
teachers growing up were Egyptian, so I had been exposed to sort of like, I guess you can say Egyptian people yeah. and the Egyptian culture to a certain extent. Uh, so that helped. There's, there was familiarity with, with, you know, with the country of Egypt. Um, on top of that, when I started looking at different options to study overseas, so, so in the Arab world, there was only like there were, you know, for the most part, there's only three main centers of learning. There were Egypt, Syria, and Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and Syria had a war going on, so it really came down to Egypt and Saudi Arabia. And you know, between those two, financially, Egypt's a much better place. Yeah. Uh, Saudi Arabia is more expensive, so being there with a family, you know, that's that's tougher. Mm-hmm. Plus, Egypt has a lot of informal educational opportunities. Yeah. So, yeah, you can go to Azhar or you can go to uh, Jamet al-Qahira. But outside of those, there's a lot of, like, private centers and teachers. And, I, you know, I did a lot of informal learning. So mm-hmm. I don't think that would be possible in Saudi Because in Saudi it's, it's just the official universities and, and colleges. And that's it. Outside of that, you can't really just go and study uh, privately with a sheikh. Yeah. It's tough. You could. But it's not as easy as Egypt. So those were the two main reasons that I chose Egypt. One reason that was working against Egypt was the uh, the local street language, mm-hmm. because um, you know the Amiya in Egypt is very tough to understand mm-hmm. uh, compared to the Saudi Amiya, and uh, yeah, Saudi Amiya is easier than the Egyptian one. So you know, it's I I only spoke Fosa wherever I went. I never spoke any Amiya. Yeah. And the vast majority of people would struggle to respond back. Um, some of them would switch to e- uh, would switch to English instead, then they would uh, instead of uh, proper really? Arabic. Um, yeah, wow. yeah. Uh, very few people, very few people were able to have a, you know, a long discussion in proper Arabic with me. Um, otherwise, they would just be like, "Look, I only speak Amia or I only speak English." <laughs> so it came to a point where I, you know, I'd have to start off with when I would meet somebody that I didn't know. Yeah. I'd be like, "Hal tofadilu logatel Arabia fasiha, how hal tofadilu logatel Englishia." Yeah. You know, like, do you prefer the proper Arabic language or do you prefer to speak in the um, English language? And then you know, most of them would be like, yeah, "I'll take English." <laughs> well, I'm actually so, shocked. <laughs> no, I mean, I was shocked in the beginning, but then after a while, I just got used to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but they would understand it. The, most of them would understand it for the most, you know. Uh, for the most part, they would like understand what I'm saying, but when they would try and speak back, it'd be like, "I have no idea what you're saying." <laughs> so. I would say Egypt's a really, a really common hub, or like to students trying to learn about Islam more. Like uh, you see a lot yes, of correct. yeah, a lot of people, uh, like foreigners, uh, going to Egypt to to learn. So it makes sense that you yes, you picked it, you know. Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, the financial part is a big part of it because the amount of money I spent in Egypt uh, for one year in other countries wouldn't even last me for six months, yeah. right? So that plays a big part that is financially affordable, you know, along with having good teachers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the financial affordability is, is a huge part of it. So. Yeah, of course, of course. For being in a place for a year without working, obviously you need a you have to pick a place where it would be sustainable. So, yeah. Yes, you can really stretch your dollar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for people that actually live in Egypt, it's like they they barely earn any, like, the majority of people, they 
they earn very little and like it's it's i would say it's quite uh tough on them but yeah obviously for people that are coming from like other countries it's it's not too bad agreed yeah uh, and it's really tough i know because um even from the time that we got there and from the time that we left prices had gone up about 15 to 20% on food and whatnot wow. so and i know people's salaries aren't going up by that much right yeah. the prices are so i know it's really really tough and this is part of the reason why you also make an excuse for the people when they try and take advantage of you mm-hmm. and they try and cheat you and whatnot you're like you know while it's, it's still wrong what they're doing i understand why because they you know it's it's just a really tough life very expensive in cairo mm-hmm. um and you know people have families and they have no ways to make a living mm-hmm. um and unfortunately that pushes some of them into doing things that they shouldn't be doing but it it's a tough life and i have a lot of sympathy for egyptians yeah. um because i know how how difficult it is over there yeah yeah for sure okay so it was it was really nice talking with you do you have anything you want to say before we we finish off the podcast uh no other than to say this is a really cool initiative and i hope you guys keep it going and mm. um you know just interviewing different people and getting their experiences Thank so you. so th- this is this is really cool and uh, i didn't get to meet yahya but uh, you know tell him that good job on both of you starting this and and keep it going mm-hmm. and uh, i think we need more stuff like this so jazakallah khairan thank you wa yak wa yak so and inshallah say salam to your mom and dad for yeah, me for sure <laughs> for sure yeah uh, say say salam to your family for me too and inshallah i will okay so thank you all for listening at home and we hope to see you all in the next episodes yeah we couldn't make it on today but uh, he'll be on the next episodes inshallah so subscribe you know rate share the podcast around and all that and yeah take care peace